A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome to the Luke and Pete Show. It's episode 10. We got to 10. Double figures. Double figures, baby. 10 um, out of 10. <laughs> and I'm still on those tablets that make me feel a little bit sleepy. How are you doing, though? You all right? I'm all right. Um, hopefully you won't be on the, them pain pills for too much longer. No, I'll be all right, I reckon. Point of order before we get cracking. Okay. Um, the, the singing that some of you may have heard at the end of episode nine... Was Curtis, beautiful. It was my singing, but it was courtesy of Pete Donaldson. Can I just clear up uh, a few things uh, about that? Right. Well, chiefly one thing. That happened, I was singing because um, Pete has got a habit of... <laughs> he's quite, you're a bit OCD-ish. Yeah. And you've got a habit of saying, right, yeah, we'll just get cracking. Hang on a minute, I've just got to go and do something. Can you disappear for ages? Well, no, I had to go... What did I have to do? I had to do something show-related. But you, anyway, you, you've got a track record. It's not a criticism, just saying. You've got, I, I spend a lot more time sat in here on my own. Right. And, and it was and it was recording, so I thought, I'll just sing you a little song. Um, I did not think you were going to include it. I thought it would be a joke that you right. said you were going to do it at the end of the last episode. This is it's my opinion. This is my uh, take on this. You yeah. insisted on putting that in. <laughs> you're such because a... Because you think your voice is all that and a, a slice of apple. You're such a little bitch. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's back to uh, Luke and Pete Shaw. Uh, if you want to get involved with the show, as always, it's hello at lukeandpeteshaw.com. That's how simple and unalloyed it is to reach out and touch us. Guarantee you there'll be no singing this week. Chuck us a penny. Well, you can't. You can't. You can't uh, the future. Can't can you? the future. Chuck us a penny. Yeah. What would you mean? Penny for your thoughts. Okay. Yeah. That was too low again. Every single week. It's been again too loud. <laughs> it's one in the middle. In it's been. Thank you. It's a little bit better, isn't it? It's like every, it's like what happens. I may as well do it myself. A week passes and you reset yourself. <laughs> <laughs> one week me on. My fingers forget. It's muscle memory. We one have to do this every day or not not at all. I know what frankly. you mean. So one week on. Last week we talked a bit about Roadkill, a bit about Dunkirk the movie. Lots of people get in touch saying they enjoyed yes. that movie too. Um, what have you got this week, Peter Donaldson? Um, well, I'm going to take uh, a leaf out of Ben Stoddart's book. Ben Basically, what I've been doing this week is he uh, has sent me a HTTPS link. 
Okay. Secure. Yeah. It's always nice to see that S at the end. Yeah. Always nice to see that little lock on the Some end. Some places won't even... Um, do, I think I'm right in saying Google on the iPhone, Google Chrome. If it's Noel got an S, you ain't coming in. They don't I'm let you do that. it. Nah, I think sometimes if it's if it's got a reputation of being a bit murky, a bit moody, it gives you that sort of red screen where it goes, do you really want to go off that far? Yeah. And then you've got to click about three times going, yeah, I do. Now, my Google Chrome says... It doesn't give you an option to continue, it just leaves you a button at the bottom saying back to safety. No, no, there will be another hyperlink somewhere. Oh, okay, right. you are the master of your own destiny. Okay, right, And thanks. if you want to mess up your computer... I feel really your, good now. It's your business. <laughs> yeah. So just click about, click about the place. I'm talking about mobile, but it doesn't matter, carry on. Mm. Um, listening to episode four, this is from uh, Ben Stoddart. Episode Thank you, ben. four? Yes. <laughs> Wit woo, Ben Stoddart, a man with a dark heart, uh, listening to episode four, the history graduate inside me got a little excited by the Tsar bomb. Oh, yeah. That you mentioned. Bomber, and yeah. uh, reminded me of a website I spent far too long wasting my time on while at university. Given you sounded genuinely interested by the scope of the bomb, you should check out this website. Now, I wasn't genuinely interested in the scope of the bomb. Um, Luke was positively priapic with excitement about the whole destructive element of that I particular it, bomb. I find it fascinating the same way. You know, Alan Partridge finds, like, death fascinating. <laughs> I'm a bit like that, really. I'm a bit like, I'm a bit like you know, when in, in the episode of Alan Partridge where Michael starts talking about killing people in yeah. the army yeah. and people burning in a tank. Our lives are so far removed from that. It's kind of, <laughs> it's fascinating, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, Nuclearsecrecy.com forward slash nuke map. Oh, I've seen it. Right. Uh, it, it does like a chronological uh, graphic of every bomb and where in the world it was sent off. It was set off. Not exactly. Oh, okay. Basically, you can detonate all kinds of famous bombs wherever you fancy. I haven't seen it, but <laughs> I bloody <laughs> like to. That is brilliant. You can type in a postcode, uh, a place of interest. Uh, I don't know. It should be illegal, that, I it? mean, that should be illegal, shouldn't yeah. it? But, I mean, basically, all these famous bombs, from the lowliest terrorist dirty bomb to um, the smallest uh, US bombs, for example, the Davy Crockett bomb was a particular favourite of mine, to the um, largest, the Tsar bomb that you were talking about, the 100 megaton, whatever the, you know... Tsar bomber. The big, the big, the big, the big daddy and the how much, how much, bomb. yeah. I mean, I would, so you could basically type in a postcode and it lets you know how big the immediate uh, bomb would be, how much it would just liquefy effectively, how much the, uh, how much fallout after that and yeah. how much, how many people would die in yeah. the weeks and months after that. Okay. It gives you body count, it gives you distance, and it shows you all on a a great, easy-to-read Google map. I'm interested, I have to be honest. So I let off uh, the smallest bomb on the list, which is the Davy Crockett bomb, the first and smallest nuclear bomb. That's so you, Pete. Everything you do shows a chronic lack of ambition. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to see how... Yeah, well, there's no point in in a big one. It's good. Oh, well, you know, that's killed everyone. Let's see the smallest nuclear bomb produced by the US. And I let it off directly above the house I grew up in. (laughs) Oh, my God. You are Michael from Alan <laughs> And it would have taken out just my street and each one either side, Belmont and Arncliffe. And this is a nuclear bomb? Yeah. That's okay. a really small one. It, it, Emon Gardens was where I live, but Arncliffe was one side and uh, Belmont was the other. So, and it would have taken both out. So in my case, it would have set, it would have destroyed Vale Grove, where I grew up, yep. taken out Shalbourne Road next door, yep. and the other side, Rossay Road. The shop at the end of my street, not just cheese, that would have been contaminated with radiation. So yeah. you wouldn't want to have eaten, eaten any of those cheese. They're certainly not just cheeses. cheese now. <laughs> no. Well, actually, I've talked about the, the Not Just Cheese shop. It no. started off as a cheese shop called Just Cheese, mm. and it sold surprisingly uh, middle-class goods, like, 
like fancy coffee from oh, a fancy coffee come from Colombia maybe yeah well, but like fancier coffee than that and also nice cheese as well hmm. in a very working class what in the 80s street. in the 80s yeah um, and then they realised that that wasn't very successful so then they renamed themselves not just cheese yeah. and sold like ice cream and stuff like that again went out of business I think so I but it would have if I'd have you know let off that bomb it would have been gone, decimated. <laughs> the new I, Domino's pizza would have been served, though. Can I just, you know, because fill up on a, on a shop at the end of the street, one end of my street, I had a terrible, terrible uh, knitting shop called Andy Crafts, as in the Andy, name Anne and D Crafts. Was her name Anne D? I don't know, I never went in there. That would work. Yeah, it probably would. Um, that <laughs> that, that closed down for no business, turned into a house. Right. Uh, the other end of the street, there was a little uh, place called the Broadway, <clears throat> number of different shops there, um, including a butcher's mm. with a really highly strung butcher... <laughs> who we used to rock like ride. one of his many sausages exactly maybe it's strung too many uh, <laughs> too many joints of, of, of pork or whatever uh, we, we rode up we used to ride up there on our bikes mm. pull massive skids outside his shop yeah um, and uh, your knackers on the dustbin list <laughs> <laughs> That's a, such an 80s joke. Yep. No, and then when he ran out after us, just try and leg it, like, cycle off as quick as we could. It's hang a bit on, like Stranger on, Things. Well, like steady, a shit Stranger Things. Steady, steady, steady. All right, what? Your biggest crime, your crime that annoyed this butcher so much was pulling a skid outside his, outside his he didn't uh, like place skids. of work. He, he didn't like his skids outside his house. Uh, outside his shop. Uh, welcome to Hawkins, Indiana. <laughs> it's like Stranger Things. But anyway, one time a couple of my mates got caught and he confiscated their bike. Did he jam a, 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 a cabano sausage through the smokes? He didn't have those sausages in the 80s. All right, I'm trying to think of the most... Well, like an old lamb shank. Did he jam it in the spot? But you know what he said? He said, if you want your bike back, send your dad up here. It, to me, that's just a marketing plan to get people in the shop. <laughs> <laughs> I confiscate bikes. He's a bike come stealer. In. Yeah. Fascinating. There you go. Uh, why was he so angry all the time? To know. I, I can't even remember his name. I didn't get to know him that well. Carry on with no, your... I'm not surprised. Too busy doing skids outside his place of work. Carry on with your Davy Crockett. Well, no, I, I, I just blew everything up. I, I, I blew a, a surprisingly small amount of Hartlepool up for a bit. Uh, <laughs> the, the Sixth Farm College playing fields. Stay away from there for a bit. Yeah. That's definitely fallout zone. But other yeah. than that, yeah, it was, it was fine. So you lived that close to the Sixth Farm College? Yeah, it was, the, it was the Sixth Hall College that, um, who's the one who directed Blade Runner? It was Ridley Scott. Yeah. Ridley Scott uh, went to college there, Did and he? they okay. don't fucking shut up about it. I bet they don't. Um, we had uh, loads of visitors that used to visit our school a lot, um, one of which was, um, uh, who's the fellow with a little hand who used to do tricks? Stunts. Oh, Jeremy Beadle. Jeremy Beadle. Yeah. Him. Right. He visited. And for every person who visited, um, our most talented uh, art teacher, Mr. Carlos, an incredible artist, would do a beautiful oil painting of whoever uh, visited the school. So you'd get like this beautiful oil painting of Tessa Sanderson and uh, Jimmy Savile. Jimmy Savile. And a couple of others. Oh, who's that uh, big fat guy who, who, who uh, got found to be a wrong one as well? Stop asking these questions. Cyril. Oh, yeah, Cyril Smith. Cyril Smith. Yeah. They had to build an extra big chair for him because he was such a fat little bastard. I almost said Cyril Sneer then. Cyril Sneer. <laughs> from, from, uh, from Raccoons. From the Raccoons. Sheer, Cyril Sneer. What's that? What's that crazy noise? What's that noise? Is that that, is that, that Russian ru- radio station again? I don't know. It's gone now. Could be, couldn't it? I have no idea what that could, could be. be or what it was. Um, the only notable alumni of, um, of the school I went to, either through right. students or teachers, is I think um, Gordon Sumner, a.k.a. Sting. That's pretty good. Taught there for a while, I think it's... 
teacher for a little bit of comment there for a oh, bit. Oh, whoa, steady, hang on. So he, 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 he uh, taught I he, there. I think he was a teacher for a bit, So yeah. that was where the Don't Stand So Close To Me song came from. I don't know that. Because of a sexy Luke Moore trying to get off with it wasn't, Sting. It, it wasn't in my I'm era. Very certain. But he's actually from your neck of the woods, but he Aye. taught down there. Yeah. And um, the other one was Keith Allen. Right. Lily Allen's father. He the was also Man of the Groucho. Yeah. He yeah. Done, was it, did he do part life? Vindaloo. No, it's Phil Daniels, it? Vindaloo, yeah. that's it. Yeah, yeah anyway, there yeah. we go. So, who, who, got, who got in touch with the original email? Ben Stoddart. Thank you, Ben. Cheers, Ben. Um, I will You're definitely take man. a look at that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great. It's, it is. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, new, it's HTTPS. The S is important. Yeah. Secure. Uh, call on forward slash forward slash nuclearsecrecy.com forward slash nuke map. I think that's what the internet's for in a way, isn't it? You just have a look at what would happen. I can't yeah. do this. What would happen if I did? Yeah. That's what I, the internet was I conceived for. I can't do this. No. No. All right, so for my... Oh, well. Thanks for that, Ben. For, for my um, one week this week... Um, I want to talk a bit about you know last week I said about how like, I'm, I feel like I'm getting older and I start buying clothes that just for function rather than, than style and mm. stuff as you can probably tell people are looking at me um, You're wearing a barrel this week yeah <laughs> very <laughs> functional and you do smell of sherry yeah and I've got um, yeah, nice yeah I know uh, one of the things I've started doing I don't know if you do this mm. is it's a bit shameful really but if it's raining quite hard and I'm, by the way I'm not someone who's I, I'm not I hopefully you'll agree with this Pete I'm not a naturally lazy person I do exercise quite a lot I right. run I go swimming yeah. sporty all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff but I have started to get a little bit exasperated with the public transport in London it takes too long it's a pain in the ass. it's really hot in the summer if it's raining I'm not interested so what I've started to do is I've started to get Ubers quite a lot Okay, so well, in your daily life, just get them around. Well, for example, the other day I had a couple of meetings, and I was in Old Street for one of them, and I had to get to Waterloo. And I thought, I'd get an Uber in 20 minutes, it's going to cost me a tenner. Yeah. I'm just going to do that. And, and also, to be honest, in rush hour, that's probably what a, a, a travel car is going to cost anyway. Quite. Tenner. But the other thing, another reason it started. But if there are any black cab drivers listening, you're going to be. Fuming. That you're going to be um, persona non grata. Yeah. Who would have thought it? You rip off people for years and years and years. Something <laughs> comes along and you don't like it. Anyway, yeah. no, but I'm not going to get into that. But it also started Sounds because, like you have. because Southern, Southern Rail was so bad, right? Yeah. So I have to get Uber. Anyway, but what I wanted to talk to you about, Pete, was mm. Uber etiquette. Right. Okay. The etiquette of, of, of being in the back of an Uber, because I've heard lots of people say stuff like, oh, Ubers are great because it's essentially like your own car and they drive it for you. Mm. You can choose the air conditioning temperature, you can choose the song stuff on the radio. That, that is where I end. Like, um, fair dues, if you're too hot, maybe ask them to, you know, m- turn the air conditioning on. Don't abuse the aux cable. I feel bad, though. I feel I know, bad. Why would you inflict your music upon the person who's driving it? Who the hell do you think you are? But sometimes they offer. I, whether they offer or not, don't do it. Have you ever done an Uber where you've got an Uber exec by accident? Uh, yeah, I've also got an Uber pull by accident as well. That's terrible, That's, isn't it? Uh, it's pretty unspeakable. Yeah, Uber Uber exec, you get like bottles of water in the back and all that sort of stuff and a USB charger and everything. I, bu- I, like I, Mercedes I, or I bust my neck and I, I was just in agony. Like, proper, like, crying agony. Like, I was actually crying. Wish I'd seen it. Wish I'd seen Wish it. Wish I'd seen it. <laughs> and uh, I was like, I'm not going to call an ambulance even though I, d- I just couldn't move. I called an Uber... Oh, there's a lot of speed bumps in London, I tell yeah. you what. <laughs> I was screaming. What did the guy I was say? Screaming. The guy was lovely, but I was like... D- yeah. did, you explain, did you explain to him what's wrong? Well, someone rang me at the time. <laughs> Probably like a kidnapping. 
<laughs> well, you know, I, I was basically going to A and E at St Thomas's. So I was like, well, you know. Okay, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you um, some Uber scenarios. Right. Just again off the dome piece, like I said last week. Yeah. I just thought of this, and I want to know how you would react to it. Okay. okay. So you get in an Uber. Mm. It's late. It's midnight. You've had a yeah. few beers to the point where he could probably smell it on you. Yeah. Uh, and it's and the heat and it's really hot. Right. What do you do? Do you a take your jumper off? <laughs> b open the window. Or C, ask him to turn the aircon on, or all of those things. Um, if I'm drunk, I'm usually deep in conversation with the driver about, you know, what part of Iran he's from or right. something. That's what yeah. I'm usually doing. But I would probably take off my jumper first okay. before I asked him to do anything. Because you, Is that because you think if I get him to turn the aircon up, it's going to affect his full fuel efficiency? And it's, and it's <laughs> no, it's smart. It's just going to, like, he. that's his little house. That's his little house for the day. He's got a... Spend a lot more time in there than I than I. But if you're absolutely boiling, you're sweating. Yeah. uh, What are you going to say to at some point to put the aircon on? Uh, It's never come up. I've just I will just take my jumper off before I. I probably would just sit in sweat for a little while. Okay. Well. Okay. I don't like. I don't like telling. I don't like being served upon. I don't like being waited on. I don't like. I don't like that kind of thing. You're paying. I know, but still, yeah, but still. Okay. What about this then? Not paying enough. You get in. And he is playing absolutely <laughs> pumping techno music <laughs> at ear-splitting volume. Um, do you let him carry on, or do you just stop say, can you just turn it down, please? Uh, again, yeah, I'd probably stick with it. I'd, yeah, I'd probably just let him get on with it. I'm a walkover, let's you were, not forget. You wouldn't I say anything? A, no, I wouldn't say anything. It's, it's, it's his car. Okay. It's his car, I'm getting in it. Did you read the other I day? I chose to do it. And the re- what part of the reason I'm asking this is because... And I, I literally, and I always mark them, for whatever they do, whatever heinous crimes they perform, I always give them five. Except I was in Pensacola and a man described uh, gay people as rainbow people. Right. And so I marked him now for that. Did you give him a four? <laughs> give him a four. You renegade. You renegade. You've got to be careful because the they, give, they, give right, they give passengers ratings, don't they? Yeah. Uh, do you know what your rating yeah, is? Yeah, mine's 4.55. That's not too bad. Yeah, still, right. But apparently that's still not too great. It was right. a lad that I know who's got a reputation of being a bit silly sometimes and he's uh, he's got a 4.1. I was like, that's dreadful. Well, that sure is dreadful. It? I think mine was 4.7 something or other. Did you see, because I read in the newspaper the other day, I think it was in Australia, a guy got an Uber. Mm. <laughs> And the Uber driver, the Uber driver picked up a prostitute while he was in the car. What? Hang on, what he got? So the Uber driver is driving along. Was picked... it an Uber pool? No, just, oh, right, it's an Uber. Just, okay. Guy pulls, calls an Uber. Imagine this, right? I'll put you in the scenario. Yeah. Gets in the back of the car. Uber driver driving along. Yeah. Stops, a couple of minutes later, pulls stuff. over, picks up a prostitute. Right. The prostitute apparently starts kissing him at like traffic lights and stuff, and I'm butting in his trousers. <laughs> at which point, the passenger says, "Right, I'm getting out. I just drop me off here. I'm getting out." And complains to Uber, and Uber like, "I'm oh, sorry about that." And gave him like a free trip or something. Yeah. But imagine that, that was, was again. Would you say something then? That'll test you to the limit. That would. That uh, test you right to the limit. I'll be like, dude. I yeah, but I would say, are you husband and wife? I would be very. <laughs> Far bit for me to, to impinge upon the sanctity of marriage. I know, yeah. <laughs> oi, oi, got a prostitute, four stars. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think now you can give people advice. Don't pick up sex workers. Yeah, you can, do, you can, give, like, you can give like comments, can't you? Now I never do that. I can't be bothered. <laughs> anyway, that's that's uh, that's oh, one well, week. There we go. Should we do emails next? Uh, let's do emails next. Let's do the. Uh... No. Well, let it finish now. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Okay, Luke, don't gunge me, mate. Pipe down, Pete. I told you never to argue with the customers. Oh, yeah. It can't really be customers because they don't pay, do they? What do you mean? Well, the people who listen. No, no, yeah. they don't. They pay emotionally. I, I argue... <laughs> that's true. They pay in many ways. I argue with the listeners more than you do anyway. Yeah, you on, do. On the show. Yeah, you would get a 4.1. I would. But then I pick up sex workers while we're doing the... <laughs> there's one in the corner right now. Hello, Trixie. Uh, Trixie. That's the name, isn't it? That's Trixie. the name. Trixie, yeah. Because yeah, we all live in the, in in, um, in true romance, the film <laughs> that you mentioned last week. But, um, yeah, I, I, don't, I, I don't really argue with people on social media. I don't really do social media much anymore. You can't. used to argue. I used to, but used I, to. I think that's why I don't now. You you are a trippy flipper when you want to be. Yeah, I don't really do social media much now. I can't. Be I just retweet people. To be honest, yeah, I, I retweet just... what we're doing. That's it. Yeah. Really. Anyway, yeah. it's not really a loss to the internet at large. No. <laughs> do you want to do an email first, or shall I do one first? Their their, uh, their performance in the markets just went right down. But that doubtful. Because did you did you see that Twitter were op- actually hoping for? This is quite a weird one. This is a while ago now, but I remember reading about it. When Donald Trump was voted, and we steer clear of politics in the show, we steer clear of football and politics. Do we? Oh, what? Well, I probably didn't tell you that. Um, but anyway, Donald Trump, when he was voted in, in as president, mm. won the presidency and, and, and became president, um, I think Twitter said that they were expecting higher than usual revenues and general awareness of the product because of Donald Trump. Right, Because okay. he's on Twitter so often. Is, and, and, so and, and, and did they? I mean, I, don't, I, don't, I, 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 I presume they probably did. No, I don't they? think it actually came to pass. Oh. I think it was, it was more disappointing than they were expecting. <laughs> but, um, but that's just quite weird, isn't it, to think of? Well, to think they've got a vested interest in the world getting worse, that's kind of, you know... Yeah, Meh. I guess that does raise its own questions, doesn't it? But <laughs> you, listen, I did the last um, one week, so you go, you go first. Okay, well, um, I've got a good one, though. Stephen De Silva. Okay. Has got in touch. Hello, listening to the most recent podcast. Uh, enjoying the summer show. I went to college for animal science, and I'm enrolled to start as a PhD student in animal science, molecular genetics, to be specific, uh, as well starting this fall. Um, just thought I'd weigh in on the whole lion and chairs thing. So We're this was... A few weeks ago, uh, a lion got lost, or rather, he ran into a sewer, and um, the man who uh, basically let him free and also captured him slash killed, I think, the lion, um, was the person who came up with the idea to confuse a lion with a chair. Yes. So yeah. lions are damn fine hunters because of how their brain is wired and how their eyes relate info to their brain. Pretty much, they're uh, good at focusing on, in on their prey. So if you ever watch any uh, kind of big cat documentaries, you'll notice that pretty much every time they hunt, they horn in on one single animal and pick off that poor animal for its lunch slash dinner. The way their eyes and brains are wired... 
They're built to focus on one single point or one single animal. So a chair with four legs pointing at them doesn't scare them. It just kind of confuses them. They have a hard time focusing and they don't really know what to do in response. In a way, it's kind of like a sensory overload for them. Uh, so, yeah. And that's, that's why what... um, a lion tamer will use a chair, basically. Because it's got four legs. Right, OK. Reminds Coming me of the song Ex Lion Tamer by Wire, which is a fantastic piece of work. What a fantastic piece of work. Fantastic piece of work. Thanks for that, uh, Stephen mm. De Silva. What about this, then, from Gordon Pope? He says, Hello, chaps. I was uh, looking at what prisoners have had for their last meal on death row. Um, after listening to a podcast about Timothy McVeigh, who, of course, was guilty of the Oklahoma City bombing, mm. um, who chose two pints of mint ice cream. He says, Luke, when Peter's inevitably found guilty of some crime, when his provisional licence is linked to a right-wing attack involving a drop-top car, a Japanese ghost, and a squad of student police officers, what would you make him? OK, look, I'm going to go with this. I think it's unfair on you, but I'm going to go with it anyway. In a world where you're on death row, Pete, mm. and I am the, um, the, I guess, the jailer, to use to use to use an outdated term, ah. the, the point Gordon though is that, um, and in case you've missed it, is that prisoners on death row for their last meal get to choose. So it isn't what I would make, Pete. It's mm. what Pete would choose. So I'll throw that tennis ball over to you, Pete, and say, what's going to be your last meal? Chris, you should have beef and ten spicy wings from KFC. There you go. It's perfectly, it's perfectly. Just, you know, that's just standard. Chris, you should have beef. Uh, maybe we should make fried rice, but definitely ten well, what is spicy it? wings from KFC. Tell me about the drink. Um, not allowed to be alcoholic, apparently. Root beer. Is that right? Not no, a, apparently not. not no. uh, maybe no. it'll affect the drug. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, let's go for root beer then. All right. Well, root beer float. I did a bit... <laughs> That's afters <laughs> bit as well, isn't it? Yeah, you go. Afters. Oh, yeah, because you, you're, you're short of time. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I did a little bit of research around this. There's a photographer called Henry Hargreaves who did a series... Oh, he takes pictures of the... Uh, of the meals. Have you seen him? Yeah, beautiful. He did a series, a uh, photography series on last meals on death row called No Seconds. Mm. Um, and it's absolutely fascinating, <laughs> actually. Seconds. Well, one thing that was very interesting about it is I, I looked through um, all of the published photos he put in the series, and um, it made me realise you can tell quite a lot about a person by the food they choose to eat right. and the meal they chose. I've got a few examples Didn't here. Tim, like a really horrible man asked for like the body of a child or something. Did that, I'm not, I've not yeah. heard that. He really did go down swinging. Right, yeah, that's <laughs> he it. He really yeah. did. He's doubling down. He's doubling well, down. Victor Figuer, I think that's pronounced, who was hanged uh, mm. for kidnap and murder, asked for a single olive with the pit still in it. Which is interesting because it's almost like the antithesis of what you'd expect. You think mm. people would go for a real gluttonous big meal to to fill their belly and to almost delay the inevitable. But he didn't. He didn't choose that. He thought I'll, I'll just have a one single, single olive. Single olive. Yeah. I'm, how would you pick that out though? You'd have to pick the best one or the worst one. I don't know. Yeah, get out of jail. Because if you yeah, because if you went if you found like the worst olive, you'd be like, I'm going to get the worst olive. I mean, either way, whatever you're eating on your death row, somebody's wiped their knob on it. So. <laughs> Because that's what you would do, isn't it? But if you're if you're the man in charge of that, and you give a guy on death row for his last meal the worst olive you can find, I'm sorry, you are the worst kind of petty I've ever heard of. <laughs> do you know what I mean? No. The guy's about to lose his life. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Well, listen, I've got and a few I more. want a vinegary knob. <laughs> so we've all got dreams, haven't we? I think you might actually uh, be able to fulfil that particular dream whenever you want. <laughs> John Wayne Gacy, who killed, I think, over 30 people, um, had, good, a good for him. had a load of KFC and a pound of strawberries. Mm. And apparently he used to manage a KFC before he was convicted. So <laughs> Should have stayed there. Down memory lane. <laughs> um, Stephen Anderson, who was sentenced to death for seven counts of murder, had, get this, two grilled cheese sandwiches, a pint of cottage cheese, uh, some sweet corn, peach pie, chocolate chip ice cream, and radishes. That meal's all over the place. I know, yeah. Uh, Ted Bundy, 35 murders. 
Right. Prolific. He declined a special meal, so was given the traditional last meal. Do you know what a traditional last meal is? Can you guess? Oh, a sandwich. You should know it. No, you should know it. It's quite famous. Um, <clears throat> uh, milk and cookies. Steak. Is it steak? Yeah. It's apparently what steak. What are the non-meat eaters? Steak cooked medium rare. Yeah. Um, eggs over easy. Uh, hash browns. Toast with butter and jam. Milk and juice. That's all right. I mean, to be honest, that's not too bad. No. Did you just ask, not ask for just two of them? Nice-looking steak, actually. Nice-looking yeah. steak. Well, eggs over steak. easy is when you... I think they cook them both sides and the egg is still... yolk is still running. I think, for my, for my money, that's the best fried egg. Right, yeah. I'm having that. Yeah. That's, uh, that's what, what a delicious and depressing uh, email. So you'd go shredded beef, KFC, and rice, and a root beer. Might stick a bit of lemon chicken on top with this crispy shredded beef. That's my thing. My, my, my Chinese meal is, is, is crispy shredded beef, lemon chicken... Egg fried rice. I'd go curry over Chinese. <sighs> Get no. out of town. All right. Get out of town. What's you don't your... want to poop yourself. I've got... Well, <laughs> it's the last week we're You'd be dead. Yeah. Um, I've got another rumour here. Do you want it? All right. Yeah. I want it. Have you, have you got another one? Uh, I've got one. I've got, shall I just do this one quick? Do this one quick. Okay, right. This is from... Tamus in Canberra, Australia. Tamus, that's a great yeah, name. Good name. He says, G'day, fellas. As the self-styled Luke and Pete show senior Australian and dentistry correspondent, I can confirm that cola beverages are not only acidic enough to handle tummy bugs, but make very good industrial strength cleaning products. I can't remember this, but we must have talked about mm. cola recently. Um, he says, My mum, for her sins, was a dentist in the suburbs of Canberra during the 90s and had a patient who was a junior mechanic at the local, local petrol station. A few times a week, he'd buy a two-litre bottle of home-brand cola from uh, Woolies, which is like Australian Tesco's, apparently, Mm. to clean the oil and grime off the floor, because at 30 cents a litre, it was much cheaper than, yet equally as effective as, genuine petrol station floor-cleaning products. He would then repurpose the leftover cola for himself as a well-earned refreshment. After six months on the job, he visited my mother because his entire mouth hurt, and he was quite surprised to be told that his teeth were basically rotting out of his head, and that for every dollar he'd saved at the petrol station, plus a thousand or so more would have to be spent on fillings, which was a rather salutary lesson. Yours in cavities, Tamus. When he said the remaining, I, I'm presuming the stuff remaining in the bottle, he wasn't just scooping up, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> lapping up like a mad cat. From the gutter. Yeah. yeah. A mixture of petrol and or, or, uh, an or, alloy of petrol. All, and I can say, all I can say on that, and Tamus perhaps can send us a follow-up email, because what I will say is that was a beautifully written email. Sometimes we get emails and people haven't written them very well, it's hard to read them, that was fine. Yeah. Uh, Tamus, maybe you get back in touch and say, to, uh, let us know. No, because presumably this guy must have not been brushing his teeth. That's probably why. Yeah, I mean, that's because the main problem, isn't it? I mean, yeah. If you, if you, as far as I'm aware, if you, obviously you can't go take it to the max, but if you brush your teeth... <laughs> the and, Pepsi Max. Yeah. <laughs> you, you generally are okay, I think, and maybe I'm wrong, but that guy was clearly not brushing his teeth. Just be careful, guys. Mm. Um... This comes from Ed. Uh, Ed, I must admit, I, I do know Ed. Uh, he was, uh, when we did a live show, he was the one whose good lady stitched the tabard. Kind oh, of okay, yeah, thing yeah. okay, I met Ed, yeah, nice guy. Nice guy. Um, so, uh, gentlemen, I have a supposition which I cannot prove. You know those big sweets, the big chocolate bars, the mad, massive, single-digit, chunky Kit Kats? Yeah. Did it all start with Big Quality Street? Okay. My theory is that these are deliberate attempts to recreate the sensation and mouth-cramming enormousness of the first time you're given a single sweet as a kid, and it filled your hand and then it filled your tiny mouth. I believe that a commercial forced evocation of being a child returning to a time when all our needs were met by loving giants and uh, the world took place at three times our height above our heads. What next? Head-sized M&Ms that have to be carved like deli hams? Desk-sized dairy milks equipped with a spoke shave or uh, confection? 
factory machete to chip away mouth chunks, mints that you buy and then are then denied by a man much bigger than you, who you resent fiercely, even though he's just trying to protect you from yourself. This is not your therapy session, Ed. Can my theory be proved or debunked? All the best, Ed. Uh, it's probably better to throw that open to uh, the listeners, to be honest. Hello at uh, LukeandPeteShow.com. Well, I've got a few things to say on it. Yeah. One is that the... I mean, this is not new news, but one of the, is, is the, 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 the normal chocolate bars we're seeing now are getting smaller, without, without question. Well, we spoke, I think this all came from, we spoke about, I spoke about Palma Violets, you know those ones that got bigger, they made chunky big ones, yeah. and then there are quality streets, the nut ones, the purple nut ones, yeah. they got bigger for a bit. They do a Green Triangle one as yeah. well, yeah. Yeah, yeah they, they do, they do the, uh, the Green Triangle one is my favourite one, mm. in the quality street pantheon, but... But normal chocolate bars are getting smaller. I saw it on the news the other day, they're like 10% smaller than they were five years ago. But that aside, you have to remember, and this is, this is a word to the wise, not just to Ed, but people generally, things always seem bigger when you're younger. So, so mm. if you go back to your school, or get permission first, if you go back to your school, <laughs> or you I'm go not back to the road you, you grew up on, or um, anything like that. I've blown it up, up with a nuclear bomb. It's a lot smaller. <laughs> yeah, you did last week. <laughs> Was it this week? This week. Yeah. It's a lot smaller than, um, than you remember. Mm. And, and another a good example of that would be, where I grew up, I left there when I was about 17 or 18. I've been living in London for many a year now. But when I go back there, I always um, overestimate how long it takes to walk to places. Right. Because for me, yeah. certain places as a kid, Kid mm. would seem miles away from my house. Yeah. And my mates who still live down there, I go, yeah, well, it's a 10-minute walk. And I'm thinking, that's a half-hour walk. Right. But it is a 10-minute walk. So everything yeah, but you do go everywhere by Segway now. And, and that is, that's also true. Um, <laughs> but but and another example of this would be the house I grew up in went up on sale to, mm. and it was online. And I, I drove past it just because I had to go past to go somewhere. Mm. And I saw the uh, for sale sign. So I thought, I'll check it out online and see what it looks like inside. Yeah. Tiny. Right. Completely different to how I remember it. It's not, it wasn't a big it house It was on anyway. a computer screen. It just, it, no, but, it was just a ter- <laughs> but you can see, you can tell the scale. Yeah. The ter- it was just a terrace house, like a yeah, normal-sized yeah, terrace yeah, house. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Three-bedroom mm. up, up now. And um, when I was looking on the pictures, it was almost like quite disappointing. It was like disheartening. Right. Because to me, it felt a bit like a palace when I was a kid. Mm. Now it looks tiny. So, so you've got to bear that in mind when you talk <laughs> about chocolate bars. That's all I'm saying. You do, isn't it? Well, Ed, uh, wheel enough, he told me uh, about a story that fascinated me, and I completely forgot about it. And this is a, probably the perfect forum for it. Mm-hmm. Um, he once told me about... Have you heard about the uh, Melanesian remote tribes who, during the Second World War, um, their land was used as um, air bases, like tactical air bases, yeah. for both the Allies and the, and, 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 the, and the Japanese as well? Thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, during... That both groups like dropped off supplies and clothing and, and advanced technology, canned foods and weapons and stuff like that. Uh, but once the war ended, obviously they didn't need the, uh, the these remote kind of spaces anymore, so they just buggered off basically. Uh, and in order to get the products back, some cult leaders sort of sprang up, either inside the community or just outside, and, and basically made villagers worship these airmen as, like, God sort of thing. Mm. So the idea of these people dropping munitions and kind of advanced technology and f- tinned food and clothes and stuff like that, they became sort of deities, and, and, and so they worshipped these airmen as gods. Uh, Tom Navy and John Frum. Yeah, John Frum is a famous yeah, one. We're, yeah, we're two, yeah, we're two, they're gods, and, and this manifested itself in basically the villages making sort of fabricated control towers and landing strips um, with wood. And, and branches and stuff like, like that. As an offering. As an, well, like an offering, or as, or as in, last time these got built... But these came. These came. So, this so is, like, a cause and effect sort of thing. They even, like, wore, like, 
wooden headphones and stuff, uh, and like did like like waved like kind of uh, leaves around, like as if they were making the planes land and stuff. I've read a book about this. I forget which book it is. Annoyingly, but I think this case is particularly the John Frum case is very interesting to anthropologists because I think mm. they think it's got a lot of value and sort of sort of evolutionary historians mm. and stuff. It's got a lot of value. Um, in terms of comparing that to how the the, the, the big classic religions yeah. thousands of years ago actually came to pass, mm. they th- I think they think that that's like a, a good example, or, or perhaps there's a comparison or contrasting yeah. to be made there. Because there's another one with Prince Philip, isn't there? Yeah, Prince Philip like one. worshipped like a, like a yeah, god. He visited there on one of yeah. the tour, like back in the fifties or something, and that, and, that, and that sort of somehow got twisted. I, I can't really. remember I, I the think fact. like ten years ago, like Channel Four brought um, some villagers over to Buckingham Palace, the, and they had a the, meeting. Is it called Meet the Locals or I something think like that? So, yeah. yeah I remember that. And they were, and I mean, out of all the gods, who's got... He, the man's got, like, a... He's got a checkered history when it comes to being difficult with know, people right? who aren't of the same colour. I, I don't know. I, just, I think it was called Meet the Locals, and, that, and there was a brilliant... There's two brilliant bits, I remember. One was that they went to, like, an old stately home. Right. And had all the old armour and the weapons and mm. stuff. And the guys... I think they were from... They're from Papua New Guinea or something like it was that. Near, yeah, it was near there, yeah. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. and they were, like very proficient with the weapons like to the point <laughs> where the guy the guy who was owned the house was a bit like all right let's put those back now <laughs> and, and the second the second bit was that um they couldn't the one thing they couldn't believe was that um there were homeless people he, right they, they kept saying to the guide um you've got all these buildings here so why are these people that have to sleep yeah. outside yeah and the guy was like well the thing is they don't own the buildings and, and they just couldn't get it they were like yeah. well, that, that would never happen here <laughs> and, and the funniest thing i saw i think it was this program it might have been a similar different one where a kid goes i know what it was was a kid who from i think sub-saharan africa somewhere mm. and he and he had a genetic disorder which couldn't be treated in this country but a uh, aid a development international development company or something or a mm. non-profit um ngo s- discovered him and a, chari- a charity stepped in and he was able to go to america and have treatment for it but they, they but he went on his own Right. right, and he went over there, had treatment for it, came back, and, they, and there was a documentary about it. And, and the, the best bit, he was telling his mother—he was about eight or nine—he was telling his mother about his trip, and he said to her, um, "Oh yeah," and they have these doors that you don't have to touch; they open automatically. And his mum was like, "Stop telling stories!" Like clipped it around the side of the head. <laughs> <laughs> so it's fascinating how different the world can be even yeah. now, you know. But that cargo cops thing is fascinating. Insane. Hmm. Blooming insane. Would, would you like to be um, worshipped as a deity by um, by a uh, island? Who says I'm not? The oh. internet's everywhere nowadays, mate. It's true, you never know. Exactly. They maybe on another planet. Wikipedia. Oh, on another they? planet, perhaps. <laughs> but on, on, <laughs> on, 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 on other planets, isn't it the case that if, if something is, say, 50 million light years away or mm. whatever, they're only going to be seeing light from us 50 million years ago, aren't they? So they're so, only going to be seeing the so dinosaurs, they, basically. Right, so, I mean... Uh, yeah, but easily, I mean, people in the future could be seeing what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Well, they in which case, the technology. Buck, buck up your ideas. <laughs> sort your shit out, Donaldson, for crying out loud. We'll both look after Luke. We'll both look after Luke. If he feels sad with that mum and dad, we'll both look after Luke. <laughs> Men Carter? Yeah. Right. Probably should have done that jingle instead of that one, shouldn't I, really? Yeah. Never mind. Let there be justice for all. Let there be peace. You don't understand. Willie was a salesman. Say simply, very simply, with hope. Good morning. Morning. But, um, 
the more jingles you do, the, the runtime bumps the runtime up, doesn't it? So <laughs> that, just that, bang a few out, mate. Yeah, that man who was upset with the review, you said, oh, too short. Yeah. You can tell it's getting worse, because it's getting shorter. Yeah, but, we, I mean, you... Presumably That's you what I said about my nan. But, but presumably you don't like it, you want it to be shorter. <laughs> exactly. Doesn't make, doesn't make any sense, does yeah, it? What, what have do? you got from Encarta? I've, I've got something very small, which I'll do at the end, so why don't you go and take up the lion's share of this one, Pete? I want to talk about the Agricultural Bank of China, mate. I've changed my mind. <laughs> I'm just joking. John Emerson. Hi, guys. Uh, I want to point you in the direction of this Wikipedia page on the uh, largest bank robbery in Chinese history. Sounds good. The plan for what to do with the stolen cash is properly mental. So, <laughs> there we go. What year was it? Uh, the year was 2007. So, not that long ago. Wow, that is. I, I thought this would be way back in the day. So, uh, the Agricultural uh, Bank of China robbery was the embezzlement of nearly 6.7 million US dollars. Okay. From the Handan branch of the Agricultural Bank of China in Hebei province between uh, March 16th and April 14th, 2007. Have you been there? Uh, no, I've not been to Hebei. But, uh, Whereabouts is it in China? Uh, is it near Guangzhou? I'm okay. not sure. Okay. I'm not sure, what, mummy. What parts, of, <laughs> what parts of China have you been to? I've been to Shanghai, Shanghai yeah. and also Beijing. Okay. And that's it. All the big ones. All the big ones. Yeah. All the big ones. I would actually like to do a proper trip, but thing about China, it's fucking massive. Is it, yeah? That's what, the one thing they say. What was your favourite out of Shanghai and Beijing? Uh, the first night in Shanghai, uh, uh, we got locked in a room and uh, they wouldn't let us leave until we gave them money. Uh, That's nice. They said they that, were that Chinese like, mafia. But that is like a hotel, how a hotel works. So. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you can't just go in there. But you do have to, some money doesn't have to change hands. I was in an Airbnb and they wouldn't, uh, and again, you, you, wouldn't, you weren't allowed to tell anyone that you were in an Airbnb. Uh, but, oh, really? So we fell for the oldest trick of the book, basically. Um, these guys said, oh, come in, there's ka- karaoke. And, and then there wasn't karaoke. Oh, right. Some, some ladies came in and we went, no, we're, up for, we're not up for that. Uh, yeah. We're up for the karaoke. And he went, you need to give me money now. And okay. then and then there was three of them, and then there was three of us who were like, we're easily going to fight these guys, they're tiny. And then ten men appeared, and I was like, oh, we're not going to fight and, them. And every time I stood up, they pushed me down, and I was like... Mm. Not only that, though, everyone thinks they're good at fight until a fight is actually about to happen. <laughs> like, Especially uh, with men whose business it is to have a fight. It's like Mike Tyson said, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> um, but just out of interest, what do you mean when you say that you're not allowed to say you're at a BM- Airbnb in China? Well, I think pretty much everywhere you're not allowed to say you, you're not allowed to say you're in an Airbnb as in the person who owns the house or rents the house is oh, effectively it's, subletting. It's subletting. So, okay, right. and, and also there's, you know, the, the, the government are quite shit hot on people's rights out there, aren't they? Okay, so. right. Beautiful place, though. Okay. <laughs> and that <laughs> was in Shanghai, was it? Just don't go karaoke. That was Shanghai. Um, Beijing's very lovely. Enjoyed it immensely. The food was fantastic. Is it? I mean, I know this is probably a stupid question, but you know, the, I've not been there, obviously. London is probably, for me, more sprawling. The New York City is very high Beijing and busy. What's is, Beijing? Beijing is gigantic. Like, yeah. massive. Like, really spread out. Okay. Uh, like... Taxis were actually quite expensive because you were in them for like an hour to get anywhere. So if you stayed in a particular part of Beijing and someone said to you, "Oh, this is great bar you got to go to," yeah, it could yeah. legitimately be like two and a half hours. Oh, away. it's Mazwe, it's Mazwe. Yeah. Like the Great Wall of China is like a good four hours on a bus or something. Right. Okay. So that's why I went instead to a electronics expo <laughs> instead of going to the Great Wall of China. You can go to one of them anywhere. Not this one. It was really fascinating. It was an electronics market where people... Uh, you could effectively walk in and buy all of the components to build your own iPhone, for example. 
which is yeah. fascinating. Specialist, isn't it? A little bit. Could you put virtual reality goggles on and then go to the Great Wall of China? <laughs> <laughs> Two birds in one stone. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so basically, uh, some people embezzled uh, 6.7 million from uh, a, a branch of the Agricultural Bank of China. Uh, in this province, uh, two vault managers employed at the branch. It is the largest bank holiday, uh, bank holiday the largest <laughs> bank robbery in China's history. So a guy called Ren, one of the managers, he stole uh, 26,000 US dollars in October 2006 with the complicity of uh, two security guards. Uh, Ren then purchased tickets for the Chinese lottery with the intention of winning a sufficiently large prize that he could return the missing funds before their absence was noted. Bearing in mind that um, gambling in China is illegal apart from the lottery. What a scheme. What a scheme and still have left money, money left over for himself. Um, despite the unfavorable odds, Ren was uh, successful and he was able to return... The uh, two hundred thousand uh, one back to the uh, vaults. That's brilliant. Emboldened, emboldened, <laughs> emboldened. Looked by his initial success, uh, Ren joined forces with another manager, Ma Zhang Zhang Jing, or Zhang Zing rather, uh, to perpetrate the same crime on a far larger scale. During March and April of two thousand and seven. The two stole $4.3 million and spent almost the entire amount on lottery tickets. I mean, <laughs> just the admin of that blows my mind. Yeah. How do they even do that? They, um, I, think the, uh, I think when uh, the big American lottery came out, somebody tried to figure out how many permutations it would take to have every... You know, oh, every, every, but, it's and, and, but it's ridiculous. But they tr- they tried. They spent it's like a billion billion. Or something. Yeah, they, well, they spent a lot of money to cover as many bets as possible, and they messed it up. The, but the, the actual admin of trying to buy that many lottery tickets in that many amount of different places is just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, this time, good fortune was not on their side. Actually, <laughs> they win. So they lost. Uh, they didn't win anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in desperation, they stole a further six cash boxes, for, uh, c- uh, covering two point three million dollars. And uh, on April the fourteenth, they spent fourteen million in a single day in an uh, effort to recover the- their losses. <clears throat> Excuse me, and. Um, Despite Handan reporting record lottery ticket sales, I bet they did, <laughs> they only recouped um, $12,000 out of um, $2.3 million, <clears throat> which is incredible. Um, so on April the 16th, the managers of the, the, the branch discovered the missing money and the notified the police. The game was up. Uh, with insufficient uh, funds to cover the losses, uh, they bought fake IDs, Ren and Ma, and uh, they fled. <clears throat> Extensive manhunt. Uh, the public security ministry placing the two men on their most wanted list. Uh, Ma was arrested um, two days later. Terrible and, effort. <laughs> and Ren was found a day later uh, in a coastal town in uh, Jiangsu uh, province. Ma went just, just went to Beijing. Right. Obvious. That's good. Where all the police going to be? Yeah. Uh, so Ren and Ma were both charged with embezzlement, uh, while the security guards were charged with misappropriating the public funds. Fifth man uh, was prosecuted for harbouring uh, Ma while he was on the run. Uh, loads of people were given sentences of up to five years in prison. The two managers were sentenced to death. They were executed. Wow. Uh, and, Seems uh, harsh. Yeah, they were executed on April 1st, 2008. So bearing in mind they were doing this, like, 2007. Yeah. Rough, quick justice. Do you know where I would go? But only 5.5 million yuan was ever recovered by the police. The remainder was squandered by the perpetrators gambling. Do you know where I'd go if I was on the run like that? Where would you go? Straight back to the bank vault. Why? Last place they check. Last place they check. (laughs) Just sit there. Hide in plain sight, just go back to your job. Wait for the whole thing to blow over. (laughs) That is fascinating. Yeah. It's a terrible scheme. But they they sort of said, they had a quote, um, we have this saying in Chinese, if you don't gamble, you don't know how lucky you are. I do find that the Chinese, in in particular, um, immigrant Chinese, like living in this country in America and stuff, 
Obviously, you can't gamble legally uh, in China, but obviously there's a massive underground thing, and it, it's it's weird. Like the percentage of people um, from China and, and uh, of Asian wider descent with gambling addiction, it's higher than the rest of the population, mm. any other population. And and the idea of luck and fortune is tied into being blessed by the gods, and gambling is often seen as being quite a solitary thing over here. You know, you you're, you're seen as some occasionally being you know a bit, yeah. like, you go into the betting shop by yourself and stuff like that. But it's a social experience. Uh, when it well, comes to I, immigrant c- communities and stuff, and it's one that, that, that provides a sense of community, which is, you know, why you see in Chinatown, like all of like the major uh, betting companies, they all have um, branches in in Chinatown. I spent a decent amount of time in Australia a number of years ago, and, mm. and you see a huge amount. I would, and what we would do is because of the time difference, we would end up going to casinos to watch football matches. Yes, yeah, of the yeah, time yeah, yeah. You see a huge amount of Asian people in there. Huge, incredible. Yeah, I, I find it fascinating, but yeah. I, I, I like how it's tied in with being lucky and being blessed, well, which not is not something case. we. Well, not in that case. Mm. Well, they were all right the first time. Should have cut, put no they were a hat full. It feeds into my theory, a working theory, which I might have mentioned to you before, Pete, where that if you've got a scheme going on and it's got a reasonable chance of success, mm. don't go for the biggest, biggest, biggest prize or total mm. of money you can get. Yeah. You could just throw out suspicion. Classic yeah. example, the guy who cheated his way to a million, who wants to be a millionaire, right? Yes. Got caught. Yeah. Don't go for a million. Go for half go a million. Go for half a million. No, one, no one's going to ever know. And you get half a million quid. Yeah. Don't be greedy. I remember when I used to get a gold star if you did something good at school, in my primary school, and I found out where they kept the gold stars. I bet you stole 400 of them. Well, that's for me. There was a big chart, basically. Yeah. And I went, one more... One more, yeah. one more, until I was like 15 ahead. Yeah, stupid. Which didn't even work week quite. You got one per week. Mm. It didn't even work. You were young and, and, no one went, you were many, young and foolish. Young and foolish. <laughs> if you had put one extra on there surreptitiously every yeah. couple of weeks. Nobody would have noticed. No. Nobody you... would have noticed the pit. And, and I think you got a prize if you won, but I was ahead by a good 15. Your career wouldn't have turned out this way if I you know. Had done it properly. You I wouldn't have. With me. <laughs> I wouldn't have been rattling a can on a. Um, on a bar who in was, a prison. Who, who was that Chinese bank robbery mi- missive from? Uh, that was from... Was it Stephen DeSilva? No, it was someone else. No. Uh, it was from... I sprung that on you there, haven't I? Sorry, John Emerson. Thank thanks, you, John Emerson. John. That was fascinating. Well, I've got something here. It was fascinating. I've got something here quickly. Uh, I'm sorry to Ren and Ma, who are both dead. Yeah, well... We're, we're, I wonder what their uh, last meal was. I can... Do- <laughs> I can... Do- Lottery tickets, well. please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to buy my way out of this situation. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've, got, I've got one here from Rob Ferguson. Okay. Right. Just a quick men car before we go, because I'll run it real for short time. Um, Game of Thrones is back, of course. It is. No spoilers. Um, okay. I'm up to date, but no spoilers. Have you been watching it? I've been watching it, I'm up to date, yeah. But this season's been fantastic, hasn't it? It's been a very, return very to form, I would say. Very, very good. I, I've, um, I'm one of those sad geeks who had read all the books, and so now the TV series is past the books. Yes, so, it's, it's a, so, it's a, so you're enjoying it. It's a pleasure you, for me, yeah. Well, yeah. what I would say is, um, everyone, you can't have missed the fact that Ed Sheeran was in the first one. Everyone's having a go about Ed Sheeran yeah. being... Don't mind it. Nah, Ed Sheeran, who Don't cares? mind it. The you problem with that really well. is, is that people in Britain don't like to see other people doing well. No, that's why. and also, people ignore the fact that sat next to him, also in that scene, was Thomas Turgus, the yeah. great white hope for the future. Yeah. And nobody cared. I don't actually think he's that good an actor. Well, he's a child actor. Child actors don't have to be good. To I, be honest, Game of Thrones, there's a lot of terrible actors in that goddamn film. You, you know, the Thomas Turgus thing, I've got no beef with him. Um, right. But you know... you got um, no goose with him. What's the name of the... Ch- <laughs> You've got no Turgus with him. The name of the director is Shane Meadows, isn't it? Yes. He, he does these ultra-real, mm. quite visceral, um, sort of kitchen sink-style mm. um, directing. It's a little bit similar to Kirby Enthusiasm, where they, they sort of, I think, as far as I know, they say, we're starting from this point in the scene, yeah. we've got to get to the end point, right. and, 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 and the script yeah. is very loose. So... 
what I think that does is it lends itself to a particular type of acting. Yes. When they're taken out of that environment, I don't think they're as good. And yeah. I think Thomas Turgus is... It's only a theory I've got, but it's I don't like think It's like reading, Turgus isn't it? Is. It's like it's the difference between reading something and also, um... Fistalian, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I guess it is, yeah. yeah. But that, so anyway, that's that's my theory on him. But anyway, Game of Thrones is back. Bloody enjoying it. Um, by the last week we talked about Dunkirk and we didn't mention Harry Styles. I thought he was very good in it, by the way. Oh, I've you still, still not seen, seen it. it no. yeah, he's, he's very good in it. He is genuinely good. Mm. He's got a reasonable speaking part as well. It's not, okay. just, a, it's not just a David Beckham and King Arthur type. Vibe. I mean, that is unspeakable. Yeah. <laughs> Poor old David. Watched, um, so anyway, Game of Thrones is back. One of the key characters in that, even if you've not watched it, is um, Tyrion Lannister, who's this wicked, really cool character. He plays a dwarf. He's a dwarf, obviously. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and um, he's just a schemer. And, and what... And, 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 just without spoiling, in a world, of course, as a medieval fantasy, in, in a world where sort of brains... Uh, are under, undervalued uh, obviously he's no kind of warrior or knight or king or anything mm. because he's not of the stature but he's very very sharp right yeah. and that's that's the thing about his character it's fantastic um, anyway Rob Ferguson has emailed the show said check out this story of a real life Tyrion Lannister now Sir Geoffrey Hudson who was born in 1619 mm. and died around 1682 was an English court dwarf at the court of Queen Henrietta Maria okay he was considered um like essentially a, f- a famous queen's dwarf in the court of this particular queen right um and he <laughs> fought with royalists in the english civil war and fled with the queen to france um but he was expelled from her court when he killed a man in a duel basically this guy he was a uh, the court dwarf where he would be um it's a bit bit distasteful i suppose obviously by today's standards but he would be there to be looked at i guess because mm. he was an in- a curiosity essentially yeah. but he, en- he ended up um reason this story is quite interesting is because um, he ended up getting really annoyed um, with uh, with the jokes and tricks at his expense being a dwarf, understandably so. Um, and so he ended up uh, just snapping one day, right. and he challenged one of the gentlemen of the court to a duel, mm. right? Because of who he was, the gentleman thought it was a joke. Right. It was like a mock duel. So the gentleman in question turned up, I think his name was William Croft, um, turned up with a water pistol. Right, they thought, had water pistols back. Well, they, then. Were called, they, were, they were called. They were It was like a very rudimentary sort right, of okay, thing yeah, where yeah, you yeah. just squeeze water in someone. Right, right, okay. Turns up, <laughs> um, squeezes the water pistol at the, the uh, Sir Geoffrey Hudson, just shoots him in the head, shoots him, <laughs> shoots him, shoots him dead. Well, that'll teach him. Won't so it? at the end, he ended up um, being um, captured, and 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 he, he was he was sentenced to death, but he was given clemency. Fled. Well, the, the rules of the duel were very clear. I don't know why he should even have to have clemency. Ended up travelling around, um, spent 25 years in North Africa, um, possibly as a, as a slave, sadly, before being ransomed back to England. Another load of stuff went on, but sadly he was buried in a pauper's grave. But he had quite the life. Sir Geoffrey Hudson was a knight, knight nonetheless, caught dwarf in 17th century England and France. Wow. There you go. Give it a Google. Do, in, do indeed give it a Google. <laughs> do indeed give it a Google. Uh, so if you want to get just a shot and basically just, just throw stuff at us because yeah. we are enjoying it. I'm enjoying reading about them because, to be quite frank, I can't trust my own brain. I'm going to call it the flotsam and jetsam of the conversational tide. I think so. It's like hanging out in a pub with us and you guys. Beers are on you. Big, but it's a big pub. Uh, yeah, so if you want to get involved, it's uh, hello at lukeandpeatshow.com. We're going to be doing this for a little while longer, aren't we? Yeah, why not? So Pe- we go. People like them. Let's make some more of them let's see ya
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.